Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Wolves Weekly with Mikey Burrows, featuring the biggest names from past and present. Hello there, I'm Mikey Burrows and welcome to the first Wolves Weekly of 2024. This week it's a special episode with Steve Davis and James Collins. We sat down before Christmas, a year on from their caretaker roles with the first team, to discuss how they found it and whether they would do anything different if they got the chance again. And we'll focus on player development, how they challenge players at a younger age, how to teach to deal with success and failure, and how key decisions like who goes out on loan are made. But first, here's Steve Davis on reflecting on being put in charge of the first team. Probably haven't actually talked about it since we did it, have we, James? Not even mentioned it, really. It's only the fact that um, some things obviously pop up on your memories and pictures that's reminded us of, of what we did, really. So it seems ages ago since we did it. Obviously, we enjoyed that that moment as well. That opportunity was brilliant for us, both being thrust into that sort of level of management and situation at the time was, was, was tough. But off the back of that, obviously, James went back into 21s and then... Jeff was keen on doing something a little bit different in terms of trying to support the uh, loans department and uh, try and be, bridge that little gap between first team and, and the academy, which is which is um, includes the loans and all the rest of it. So I've sort of gone into that really as player pathway. Now, I've enjoyed it. It's been very different, but it's took me away from the grass, which obviously uh, is, is what I've done for a long, long time. But probably feel that, the club needed this sort of appointment in terms of supporting the lads that are out there and trying to keep develop them. It's sort of gone quick, really, um, I have to say. But uh, it's sort of a job that I've been able to structure myself um, to a degree. So it's been been enjoyable. I've enjoyed it. James, do, I mean, he Steve says it's been enjoyable in the last year. Was it so unenjoyable working so close together for a thing that you didn't want to see him after this? <laughs> you haven't spoken about it. I think... What you in football, you quickly things move on. People don't <laughs> don't reminisce too much, and maybe after you, when your career is all finished, maybe you do. But it, it, it's like a juggernaut. You just keep. You know, I went back to the group pretty much straight away, the under twenty one group, and then you're back to your day job, which is you know, 
is is long, long hours, long weeks, and and your your full focus is on that. And you know, Steve the same had a new role, so I think yeah, it'll be nice when we do get together and maybe have over a pint and in a few years time and have a chat about it and some of the the stories around it. But I think um, we we quickly got back to what you know what we're paid to do, which is um, our day jobs. Did it help in a way, though, James? Because I remember speaking to you in the summer about, you know, you you always have that um, knowledge of, of what it's like for players that you're coaching, what they're going to experience going up. But having had a fresh set of eyes on it at a, a refresh almost of, of that first team environment, did that change the way you've you've worked with your group? You know, I, I'd worked with the first team group at um, a lower level at crew, and I'd done all the sort of development pathways up to first team with um in academy so i think the one thing it did for me was i'd been close to the, you know with bruno we, we were around the first team but to actually take them every day build relationships with them every day work with them every day that that was a real area of development for me i've said it a few times in interviews that i think you have a thought that they're different that, that when they get to there they're different these people are different but they're not they want the same things that the under 21s want they want support they want help they want to know how they can get better and once you realize that then it becomes exciting because you're doing the same things you were doing with under 18s under 21s but now with world-class players and that's a really exciting you know for a football coach to work with the very best is a real privilege steve do you miss it being involved Um, i know you had that break and you probably needed that break from it but now you've had a a bit of a longer spell away from coaching than you probably ever had before yeah of course i miss it yeah like like james touched on you just it's just you see it as your day job being on the grass planning your sessions designing your sessions seeing what group you've got really what you need to work on the planning of a game the the lead up to the game the game itself you know you, you sort of become no i've done it for a long time James has done done that for a long time. What he's doing with the development side, he's done it for such a long time and obviously working around the first team as well. So it just becomes a habit of doing that every day and then suddenly you're not doing it. Uh, and then you're doing something very different, visiting clubs, travelling abroad, watching games, watching more games than I've ever watched. I think I've done six in the last eight days of just watching games every night and every day. So even travelling down to the first team yesterday. So... Whilst I love watching games, I also thoroughly enjoyed the, the coaching aspect of it all and, and the, the preparing players and the build-up and, and the game itself when, when it's live. And it's that, that sort of adrenaline that you get from from that is um, you don't quite get in the role that I'm doing now. But um, it has a, it's, a, it's a different importance for what I'm doing now than, than the coach. Um, but it's still, there still are development sides of that and planning pathways is quite exciting to know you know, what journey that player needs to take or he's going to take. It's quite, you know, it's, it's a little bit different, but like I say, I've equally enjoyed what I'm doing now as I did previously. But this is this is to both of you, really, because it's a, you mentioned adrenaline and, and that's a key part of, of what you guys do and, and how you live through that game and that build-up to it. There is a downside to that, obviously, because there's a huge amount of pressure, and especially when you're at Premier League level. So kind of how did you cope during that period and uh, and have you been able to kind of do you feel like you you better handle it now in the roles that you're doing because you've gone through that experience I, th- I think what maybe you don't see you saw the ice top of the iceberg if you like us coaching at you know Chelsea first game I think it was and it, you know we've been 
in the industry for a lot of years and you, what you're doing on a a day-to-day basis to build yourself up to that it is all preparing you for that really um so it does appear to the outside like a massive jump um, and of course it's the premier league and it's big crowds and the millions of people around the world watching but fundamentally you're doing the same job you've been doing for 25 years you, you mm. coach players you're developing players you're watching football matches you know there's that little moment before the game where you're you look around the stadium and you think wow this is you know this is incredible but then once that ball rolls you, you could be taking you know Nantwich town you could be taking the um, Alexandria. it doesn't it doesn't matter um you're in the moment you're in the zone you're working and so i think it's probably more for the you know i remember I've got two young, you know, two sons who came to the games, and it's probably more for them really that to see you on the side of the pitch at the Premier League is more exciting, maybe for the family than yourself. <laughs> for you, you're working, you're you're in the middle of it. It's it's um it's what you what you've trained to do really, um, and it, it, that might sound a bit boring, but it, it was exciting, of course, but it was work, you know, working, working to uh, we were ready. I felt. Um, and and really enjoyed it. Obviously, standing there as a supporter, you do realise is that they don't know what's gone on in the week. They don't know how much time you've spent preparing that team in them four or five days leading up to the game. Uh, they just see what that ninety odd minutes or hundred odd minutes, as it is now, holds. You know, as a fan, you don't really understand. You're not at the training ground. You don't know what sort of work and effort and time has been put into the, that preparation. And as a manager, as I say, you're just hoping that that, all, that plan comes together. And when it doesn't, you've got to review it and, and see why. And when it does, it's it's that elation of uh, all the work you put in, that reward. But then it only lasts sort of lasts one night and then you're back on it the next day, as James alluded to, with, even with the 21s, it's the same. It's all your prep. It's brilliant that the lads have done what you wanted them to do and followed the plan. But then the next day, you're literally looking at the next game and the next game and the next game. It's ne- you never really get a chance to look back or time to look back on it. And like you, you'll probably do that when you're retired or when you've sat, as I say, like James said, sat in a pub in a pint, having a pint. But do you remember that? And do you remember this? And that's where you share those those great memories that you've had. But at the moment, we're just as development people and development, I guess, experts in the game. Now, you're just looking forward, looking at the next player, looking at the next game. That's all you do. Is that sad in a way, though? Like, you know, you you obviously, you both had these successes throughout your careers and stuff. But... To not kind of enjoy them in the moment as much as you could, because fans get to enjoy it. Fans love it for for days on end. You know, you you managed a Premier League victory. You managed in these in these hotbeds of of emotion and atmosphere and all of it. And and both of you seem so kind of chilled and like, yeah, that was a year ago. We've moved on. I think it's, it's, I, I've got I've got a good friend who's. Uh, um, I won't name the name, but he's a manager in the in the football league. And when he won two weeks ago, I spoke to him and said, "Oh, were you pleased?" And he went relieved. I was relieved. Now, you know, the supporters of that club will have been spent Saturday night and Sunday celebrating the victory and and reminiscing about the game. He's relieved because they needed to win and they won. Um, it's relief more than joy, I suppose, for the manager at that in, in them moments. Um, there is high pressure on. On the on the first team manager at any football club, they all and we all enjoy it to a certain point because we wouldn't be in it if we didn't enjoy it. But it, the, you don't get to enjoy it like a football fan because 
you are constantly looking forward. Football doesn't wait for you. It doesn't stop. Now, our first team, you win a couple of games and everything's great. Then all of a sudden you go to West Ham and you have a tough performance, you know, a tough result. And, it, you know, you see you know, the supporters are disappointed and we're disappointed and you, you've got to find the next game. And it's and that happens to be Chelsea. And you think, wow, it's it just doesn't stop. It, it doesn't stop. And that's that's the brilliance of the job. But it, I don't think enjoyment is the... Um, is the right phrase while you're in the middle of it. Yeah. I mean, we all know that the Premier League is the pinnacle. It's the best league in the world. We all know that, don't we? all share that. So to win a game in the Premier League is so hard to do. doesn't matter who it is. Uh, they all deserve to be there in the Premier League as well. Even the Lutons away and, and at home, they're all tough games. Um, there's no gimmies in the league. I think as a fan, of, as a coach, I understand that. Some of the fans, the majority do understand it, but there's a lot that don't. They think, they think we should just be beating those teams down in that bottom five or six. But you, we know how hard it is uh, as coaches and managers and having had that experience and been around it, how tough it is to win a game in the Premier League. Yeah, I was talking to Tomo about this recently because um, we're having this discussion about, obviously at West Ham, you are in the press box, you are miles high. You know, you get effectively an analyst camera view of the game yeah. going on. And even sometimes at Molyneux, you know, you guys know where I sit. I've, I've got an amazing view on what's going on. And and I, I was speaking recently about, there was a, a couple of times after we got promotion where I got to go down on the pitch and experience it from pitch level. And that's not my normal view of Molyneux, obviously. And what really always stood out to me was you could kind of make out everyone's faces. And it felt a lot more enclosed being down there than it does when you're up in the stand. And I realised that I watch almost every game of football from the perspective as a commentator of what I might be saying. And I see different things because I'm not following certain stuff. Is it similar for you two that you you can't just watch a game as a fan anymore? You can't just experience the game in the way the fans do because you're always thinking about other stuff and looking out for different things. I think one of the big things about what you just said was it is, it is a different game from up there than down by down on the side of the pitch. And it's a different game for the players on the pitch. Now, I've been a player myself. Sometimes there's, it feels like there's absolutely no space whatsoever when you're stood in the middle of that football pitch yeah. uh, as a player. Whereas when you're 40, 50 rows back high up, there's always space. It looks quite easy. Um <laughs> And that can be a dangerous thing in a way because you're looking and saying, why didn't he find that pass? Or why why is he not passing them onto that space? Well, when you're at high level, pitch level, with 11 athletes on the other team trying to stop you, get, closing you down, trying to stop you, it, it's not as easy as it looks on the telly and it's not as easy as it looks from the stands. Um, and we're all guilty of criticising because, you know, even as a coach, you know, as on the side, but when, when you're in there, um, <laughs> there's not a lot of space. Yeah. I mean, there's a, you know, you look at the emotion there is in the stand, but the emotion down there is even greater. It's even more intense. You know, the, the need to or wanting to do better and, and, you know, that you can see that. I mean, I, could, I was watching Gary Francis working up and down, you know, with his staff and trying to look at different scenarios, different changes. And, you know, and the players are trying to get, trying to change the way the, the pattern of the game's going. And uh, so the emotion, the control of the emotion is very difficult when you're down there in, the, in a hotbed of football where it's frantic and fast. You know, people don't appreciate up there how fast it is down there. Yeah. You stand pitch side, you realise the athleticism and speed of the ball and the players um, is incredible. 
and probably the you know as I say that I think that was the biggest thing that stood out when when we when we took the job last year for that for that short period that the actual speed in action of things happening was very very fast and very difficult to change and adapt to and the top coaches are, are changing all the way through the game and that's where you've got to be on it to see them little them little tweaks you might have to make during the live action and I guess that was the biggest thing for me. The learning thing for me was how things changed very quickly in games, tactically, and little players did little things. You know, that's the work they did. They did in the week. Um, you just have to be ready to adapt to it. And I remember the, the Chelsea game when we went to that. The, the box they had in the middle of the pitch went to a three and a box and a three. It constantly rotated and changed, and literally it was very difficult to cope with. You know, we we just tried to be compact and and tried to find a way. And I think. Like I say, the emotion down there and, and the, the frustration is just as just as much as it is in, in the stands. But obviously, you, you're in it, you're around it, you, you realise how hard it is down there. Is that where it's maybe most evident how different it is to to development football? Because, listen, uh, I mean, uh, when you were talking about controlling emotions, I was giggling to myself because I listened to James almost as kind of a, my own personal <laughs> like commentary it. of under-21s <laughs> games. I hear every word he says. And and controlling emotions is not always your strongest point, my friend. Um, I'm joking, you know I am. But um, in that kind of terms of being able to get messages across and being able to change things and and being able to you know influence that game within those moments in the speed of the Premier League, that that's far harder to do because and sometimes there's thirty thousand people who are screaming noise at the same time. Yeah, the passion of any game you take, I think that shows. You know, we sometimes. And there might be 50 people, 100 people at one of our under-18, under-21 games. But the way I felt during the game, is, or I feel during the game, is exactly the same as I felt when we were taking the first team at, at Molyneux or, or at Stamford Bridge or wherever it may be. The passion is something that we all have as football fans, we all have as football people. I think it's very difficult to, to switch that on and off. You have to be authentic to yourself. But keeping your cool is important at, at certain times. I, I remember... The frustrating thing I found from the top level, the really top level, was how easily you get punished for you know, for small mistakes. You know, we played Leicester. I thought I thought it was one of our better performances in our time. I thought we'd be creating a lot of chances at a time where we weren't creating a lot of chances in the first team. But we got punished. You know, Tielemans, if I remember right, whacked one in from 25 yeah. yards in the top corner. And, and all of a sudden, you're, you're two down or you're, or you're three down. And I'm thinking... We're actually playing quite well here, but that's not the, you know, as a support, of course you don't think that. You're frustrated, you're on the side, you're angry. But then maybe we played Forest and probably played a little bit worse than we did against Leicester, but we found a way to win the game. You know, keeper makes a good save from a penalty and you win that game. So from a development point of view, I would be saying to the players after the game, after the Leicester game, if it was a development, I'd be saying you played better than you did against. Yeah. Nottingham Forest. But if I tried to tell a supporter that we did better against Leicester when we just got beat 4-1, he'd have me yeah. sacked in the morning. That You can't say you've played well because you've just lost 4-1 four, four, to Leicester. That, that's the biggest difference between development and results. The, the, quite rightly, the, the supporters don't want to hear that we played well today, we developed. Yeah. But when you've got beat 4-1, that's a little bit different at under 18 and under 21 because that's what it's about. It's about developing. First time I ever got uh, an insight into that mindset. Uh, before I um, made my way to work for Wolves many, many years ago, I started off um, covering MK Dons. And um, in the, the second year I was there, Roberto Di Matteo 
came in as the manager. And I, I remember it, it always stood out to me. They could win 3-0 and he'd be way more critical than than if they'd lost 3-0. And, yeah. and it, it really kind of struck me that kind of attitude to kind of be like, you know, there are there are fluctuations within games. And that's I've tried to take that into to how I kind of cover matches moving forwards because it's never as simple, is it, Steve, as being no. you know, win game great, lose game bad. No, I mean... I mean, a lot, a lot of coaches are driven by how they play. They want to play a certain style that they enjoy and that is successful. So that is frustrating when they, the players don't play as you want them to play. Again, you know, there's coaches that develop players within the first team. Um, there's coaches that don't want to develop players in the first team. They just want ready-made players that are going to do a job. They don't want to wait. And I think with the way management is now, with the limited time you get as a manager, I think it's becoming more so that managers do want them ready-made players and they don't want to wait for players to develop and make mistakes in their first team. So that's another factor with development, I think, as well. You know, it's very hard to develop players uh, in the first team. And if you're putting too many in, obviously that has an, an impact on them. If you put one in with what you've already got, then that gives them a better chance to shine. And I think that's got to be uh, something that's considered as well when you're making a selection. Uh, doesn't guarantee you're going to lose the game or win the game, but uh, what you can do is give that player the opportunity to develop. Um, that's something, obviously, that we did when we had our opportunity last year. Final question on that opportunity, as you describe it. Is there anything you would have done differently if, if you had the chance to do it again? <laughs> it's a difficult one. I think probably... Not. I think we tried, We did the best we can on the circumstances. The, the most difficult thing we had was not knowing how many games it was going to be. I think initially it was game to game and then it became a bit longer than we expected. Um, and then up to obviously the World Cup break. Um, but I think had we have known it was going to be that length of games, we might have been able to just impact it slightly differently. I think we had to be like a bit reactive in terms of what we did. Uh, we knew we had to change the mindset of the players around, players that hadn't been playing well for a long period of time, hadn't been getting results. So it was almost like instant impact. And obviously that when we spoke to the players that first Monday morning to to get their thoughts, um, a lot of it was very clear on what could be improved in a short space of time. And that's basically the direction that we took. Um, and the opportunity we felt with a lot of players out of form was to bring some of those younger players, hungry players into to see if they could do the job in a better way or give, just give them the opportunity to prove themselves. I guess, you know, myself and James had worked with those players, knew knew that they were good enough in terms of their, you know, their character and everything. They'd cope with the, the Premier League and and they didn't let us down, I have to say. They didn't let us down. So I don't think, I don't think we would have done anything different. I know James was very big on what he said after about, um, you know, we had to give those players them opportunities being development coaches and working around the PDP. It was a great opportunity for us to do that, and we did that. Um, and, you know, if there was other players around that we thought deserved this opportunity and we, we did get another go, we'd probably do the same again, I think, wouldn't we, uh, James? So I don't think it'd be that much different. I don't know whether James has a different view of that, but, um, you know, I thought the way we set up was as much as we could have done with them. The limited time we had with them, uh, the limited um, amount of days we had with them, there was a lot of players injured coming back from injury on managed minutes. It would be better if that wasn't the situation because we would have gone a, about the game a lot differently, particularly at Palace when we had to bring 
players off because of managed minutes. So things were difficult at that time, uh, but they always are when you get these jobs. You're never flying, are you? Then, then suddenly you get the opportunity. It's always when things aren't going well that you get that chance. Um, so for me, wouldn't be that much different, I don't think. I think the one thing I would say is how hard it is, even for us, to be courageous and put these players in. We knew them. We knew they were good enough or we thought they were good enough. But still, it's very hard when you've got a, a player in the same position who's played 100 times in the Premier League and you've got this kid that you think's done quite well in the under-21s, uh, you know, Kidderminster on a Monday night, that to think he'll do better than him on this going this day because everything in your brain and tells you that that other guy's already done it. He's shown he can do it. Um, and it was a... You know, I'm not taking anything away from us, but it was Ryan having a, I think he had toothache at Crystal Palace at the hotel. Out, maybe Hugo wouldn't have got his chance. Now, at that point, we could have done something different, but we we decided, you know, to go to go the way we went with Hugo. But I suppose if you said, would we do something differently? We, it's probably having more courage of our convictions of of you know, if we felt Hugo was good enough, we should have done it anyway. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes you think, well, that'll rock a few boats, wouldn't it? Um, you know, taking an established player out of the first team on, on game two when you're not, the results aren't going too well, and and it's difficult. It's difficult, and you've got you're trying to keep senior players happy, but you're also trying to put your players in, and you're trying to pick the best team, and you're trying to keep the fans happy, and you're trying to get a result. Um, so when your development mind comes in, that that isn't the number one thing in your mind when you. You're given the job to, with the first team or a second bottom of the league or whatever it was at the time. You're just trying to pick a team to get a result. That's why I've got great respect for, you know, the clubs and the and the the, the managers that, that do seem to still hold development at the front of their uh, mindset. You know, you look at the guy at Brighton. He he puts players in, he gives players a go, but still manages to get, you know, results and and performance from his team. So. It's not an easy thing to do. We found it difficult and, and we're from development. So the pressure on first team managers to do it is is incre incredibly high and it's not an easy thing to do. Wolves Weekly with Mikey Burrows. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Let's focus on development. And part of the reason why I wanted to do this chat with a pair of you was because I had a bit of a Twitter debate with someone recently after the FA Youth Cup game where there are such high expectations on every level of the football club. And 
I don't think this is my personal opinion, and you both know that I don't often give my personal opinion. But my personal opinion is that you don't actually you're not getting enough credit for the amount of players that this football club is now producing. And I looked back at the team that James had that got promotion from Premier League two two years ago or so, James, wasn't it? And you look at Sarkic, Lembakisa, uh, Bueno, Condal, Hodge and Chem Campbell, who are all playing in the Football League or with the Wolves' first team right now. That, to me, is not the norm for how many players go on to be the level they are. I mean, you might tell me different, James, but I I, I feel like that deserves more credit than it gets in some respects. Yeah, I think first thing is when you're in development, you don't do it for credit because you're never going to get it from supporters and that isn't that really isn't a criticism of supporters believe me they're not there to worry about the development of the young players they're there to watch their first team on it Saturday afternoon excitement goals and we all we're all spoiled in the Premier League with the standard of the you know, the players we get to see every week it, it's a real <laughs> privilege to be in the country where the top league in the world is so I don't expect supporters to understand I, I really really don't and that's not their job to it's our job to we have to try and make our players be good enough to to have careers. That won't always be Premier League careers because that would be naive of us to think we can produce five a year to play in the Premier League. Uh, but you hope you can produce enough players to have football league careers because then that builds up to you know you've done you, you've improved a human being, you've improved you've enhanced somebody's um, life and someone somebody's lifestyle. You can't. We beat Leicester last week in the under-21s and I go back to these sort of things and I thought we were awful. I thought we were terrible. I thought we, we, we won 3-1. I thought we were awful. I drove home thinking that's as bad as we've performed as a group. The individuals didn't play very well. There were some disappointing performances of players I thought are better than that. But if you look at Twitter, there's well done boys and brilliant and that's great and, and that's brilliant. Yeah. We then go and play Norwich in the Premier League Cup, and maybe because Norwich are in the Championship and and supporters, I think, they're, you know, the Championship team, we lose 1-0. I thought some of our individual performances were outstanding, really outstanding. But I think there was, you know, Twitter saying Collins out and get rid of Collins after that game. And it, That was just me, sorry. <laughs> and, and, the, and the difference between the two performances from a development point of view are chalk and cheese. The Leicester performance was poor. The Norwich performance was good. So, but that's not that's a, it's a totally different industry than the first team. The first team is you're in a, you've got to finish somewhere in the league to stay in the Premier League to be successful in the Premier League. In development, you are trying to make individuals better. You are trying to improve individuals, and sometimes losing games of football is good for their development. You don't want to lose games of football because we're all competitive, but. If you're in a team and you're winning every week at under 18, that's no good for anybody. That's no good for anybody. And I know in the past, um, teams like Man City have had a problem when players have gone out alone because they've played every week for Man City, won every game, and then they go somewhere alone and on the bench for Derby County or, or wherever it may be. And mm. the players throw their toys out the pram because oh, I play every week and I'm, I'm at Man City there has to be a balance and, and winning and losing cannot be the number one um, parameter for development. But for first team, of course it can be. 
But that's where Steve comes in, right? Because you know, you there are a lot of players out on loan, and and some of them are having a good time. Some of them are probably having a tougher time than than they may have anticipated. Steve, and I guess it's your job to manage that, manage their expectations, manage the expectations of clubs they've gone to. Yeah, it is, and obviously, you know, they're not always going to be good loans. You know, they're not always going to do well. They're not always going to get in the team. Like I say, like James just said. They've played regular 21s and suddenly they go out and they're not they're not picked. They don't, you know, the manager has to trust them and, and get to know what personality they are and and try and fit them into what they're doing themselves. So you know, they might change the system because they're not winning. So suddenly the player's not in that system. So he's not playing, he's not on the bench. So dealing with that is difficult. It's probably the first time they've had to deal with that situation as well. So then they need the support. That's that's where we give them the support that the team I've got around me that can can help them and support them in that period. Um, you know that some have gone and done fantastically well. So they need less support, more encouragement, but also what can they still improve on? You know, it's still important to develop them while they're out. You know, rather just leave them and oh yeah, you're doing great. We've still as coaches and we've still got to see how they can be better. Because those little things that you can improve might just be the difference with making them um, a Premier League player or a Championship player rather than a League Two, League One player. So, you know, like James said, we've got to try and squeeze every little bit we can out of them, even though they're on loan. There's still lots and lots of development improvement they can make, both from a performance point of view, football point of view, but also as people themselves socially as well. So that's the bit we've got to try and develop. Are they good people? You know, will, will they fit into a successful team? in the football league. So there's there's so much going on. I think the players themselves are still trying to find out what they are when they're out there. You know, can, am I going to be good enough? There's still lots of doubts that they have in their minds. And it's great for them to get away from that comfort zone, get out of that comfort zone and get into these places, get into these clubs, different dressing room, different manager. Great experiences for them. You know, and a lot of players that have gone on Ryan, Ryan Giles, for instance, had about six or seven loans before he... We actually got sold in the end. Some only do one or two. Some don't go out at all because it's the right thing to keep them here. Max Max didn't go out anywhere. Yeah. He stayed here and, and trained with the first team because that was his best, best pathway. So they're all different pathways. And we've got to try and our job is to find the best pathway for that player to get the very best out of that player. I was going to say, can, can you explain for people how that process works? Because some go out on loan. Some go to first team, some, I guess, stay with you. How are those decisions made? And what I guess is a case-by-case basis. There's no one-size-fits-all policy. It's not just me making that decision. It's a it's a group decision for meetings. Uh, James is part of that. We listen to everyone's opinion and then we look at what's best for that player. You know, the, It might be a so, social reason why they don't go out. It might be a physical reason. Like in Luke's case, he was very late going out because of his physicality. Uh, now he's got to that stage Luke where Kindle, he's cut. Yeah, he's Luke Cundall, yeah. So he's he's able to cope with that level of football now physically that he's able to go out. So those are the reasons maybe we delay those decisions. You know, and other other players, you know, I think Tawanda now has been around the first team and playing 21s as and when he's needed because... You know, we don't we don't feel that he needs to loan. The first team want to keep him around. He doesn't look out of place training with the first team. There's no reason why he needs to be out of this environment. You know, he want he needs to stay in the in the environment whilst he's excelling and doing well. So, and obviously from my point of view as well, there's the exit strategy, the exits of players, the ones that aren't quite uh, have met, met the level, and we've got to try and find another pathway for them somewhere else. So, you know, it's from one one sort of end to the other 
Uh, each player's different. Each player we make a different decision on. And, you know, we want to get 99% of that right. We're not always going to get it right, but we try and get it right for them. I think what's important as well is failure is part of part of it. And I think, you know, we we look at, you know, I'll give an example, and I hope I'm not speaking out of turn when I say, you know, Harvey Griffiths has gone from us out mm. to Walsall and hardly played. He's not played much football for Walsall. Now, that to him at the time will, will feel awful. But Harvey Griffiths has come from Manchester City where he's played every week up to the age of when he came to us. Then he plays every week for us. Him having some degree of failure at this point might be the making of him. So him having three months at Walsall where somebody from the outside might go, oh, that's been a disaster. That that might not be a disaster. That might be the that might be the trigger point that gives him that warrior spirit, that drive, that um, fight to go right. I've got to go up a gear here to really get to where I want to get to. I've got to, I've got to find another gear. And in the end, in five, six, eight years' time, he may look back at that six-month spell at Walsall as the defining moment. Really hard to explain that at the time to him, and really hard to explain that at the time to you know outsiders. Maybe you say that's been a failed loan. I think failure is such a massive part of development. Only on Chiwomi last week missed two penalties for the under twenty-one, uh, under eighteens in a youth cup game. He was heartbroken, absolutely heartbroken. To miss two penalties in a shootout is like, you know, talk about how low that must make you feel. But when it happened, and maybe this is the developer in me, I was driving home thinking that could be the best thing that happens to him because you have to find a resilience from that that you need to be a Premier League footballer. And so, and things in life, if you have an easy journey, you don't build that resilience. So it, sometimes failure is is the best form of development. But again, hard for an outsider or support to see that when he misses his second penalty and they think, well, yeah, he must be no good. Well, no, that, it, it's the opposite of that. We now see how he responds, how he trained. He came back in and trained with us two days later. He had the next day off and... And he was terrific. He flew around. He was aggressive. He was, and I thought, here we go. We're mm. developing here. But people don't see that. And I understand that. But that, that's the exciting bit for us. How is he going to respond from that failure? And he's so far shown uh, brilliant resilience from that. Yeah. People forget or people don't realise. Like Harry Kane had some pretty had remarkable loan spells at Norwich and Leicester just before he kind of broke in at Spurs and and made that kind of push up one of the key things you mentioned the under 18s obviously Steve had the group that went all the way through to the semi-finals and we're seeing some of those players like Nathan Fraser kind of beginning to make an impact at the first team level but Nathan's probably a key case in point that over the last couple of years that the, there's been a real element of of you two testing players from a younger age and and pushing them up and that under 18 side that that lost in the FA Youth Cup the other week there, were, there was a 15-year-old in there and where's Okadua? There were two others who I think are still at school. And and the average age kind of from it, because we look at James's team now and actually some of those guys are 20, but they've been playing for two, three years at under-21s level, under-23s as it was before that. So is that kind of a key part, do you think, of, of what the process is and why it's now being more successful that you are throwing these guys in at a much earlier age? I think it was a decision a couple of years ago to go younger with the 21s. I remember when Rob got promoted, most of those players were 21, 22, 20. They were very old, sort of 21s team. Very old. Um, 
steady on steve we're we're, <laughs> we're all getting on here if we're saying 21s are very old <laughs> well i suppose compared to now and um i think it was a decision when scott was here to to go younger and give those chance give those opportunities to younger players if they were ready of course um in the 18s you know there was 15 16 year olds playing playing up and we were able to get them out of school for two or three days a week and, and sort of get the education as part of that but they were, they were training with the 18s on a more regular basis so the exposure to that was much more and uh and obviously helped them sort of speed that development up a little bit more and then the, the ones that excelled in the 18s then at, at 16 70 whatever age they were then got pushed into the 21s uh, the second year scholars or first year pros were always sort of moved into the 21s training for James to look at them and uh, for them to develop even more. So I think it was a sort of decision that was made a few years ago, really, to to start to challenge these players a lot earlier than we were doing. And off the back of that, we probably have, have had some successes with that, uh, like the players you mentioned already, the, the exciting ones coming through again through that conveyor belt of talent. You know, for a 15-year-old to play in under-18 Youth Cup games, never, you know, when I, I had to wait till I was a second year to play in the FA Youth Cup at Stoke. I was 17. Uh, nowadays, they're getting the opportunity at 15. There was one on the bench, 15. They play for England, of course, under 16. So, yeah. you know, exciting players for us as well. And we know that they're going to, as I say, we, don't, we didn't know what, they, what Wes was going to do in that game, but he, he played very well and... You know, he might have had a really poor game, failed, but that again, going back to what James has just touched on, is it, it doesn't matter because that will have done him good. That will have made him realise where he is, what he needs to work on to be better. For us, it's constantly reviewing and looking at where they are and what they can do better. And can they be moved up? Do they need to move down? It's an ongoing daily thing, daily, lots of conversations around that. Um, I, think, I think that's the, again, the key to it is. It, it, it's nice from a media point of view to look at the ones going up because it's exciting a 15-year-old in yeah. the 18s or whatever it is. I think it's more important to see it's on an individual basis. Wes can physically cope with that. He was ready for that. Luke Kundal didn't play for the 21s till he was the right age to play under 21s. He, he was in the under-18s as a second year right up until the very end. I, we had a boy at crew at my old club, Harry Pickering, who's now playing every week in the Championship for Blackburn, who... When he was 50, under 15, he played, spent the whole season playing for the under 14s because that was what was right for him. Now, I, I remember at the time, he wasn't particularly happy about it and because he saw it as a bit of an insult and playing a year down. And But we felt to gain confidence, to gain success, to develop his techniques, to develop his skills, that was the right decision for him. Now, I think if you asked him now, I'd be delighted he did it because he's got through and become a established championship footballer but so I think everybody's different so I think as as the individual footballer is is the key what what's right for him the challenge is important to go up sometimes but also sometimes it's good to to be successful in your own age group and and even even down an age group because you learn from each each and every experience yeah I think players need success equally as the bumps in the road I think that's important that they do get some success and if playing in their own age group or below gives them that success, that also breeds the confidence as well. And I think that's equally as important. Final question to both of you, because you're both very busy men. As much as I've praised you both for the success and the amount of players that have come through in the last couple of seasons, have you made it more difficult for yourselves? Because we're now going to expect three, four players from every, from every year 
to bolster the first team squad? What does the future look like for the role that both of you are doing? The more successful you are, the more the first team want the players, the more the loan clubs want the players. And you can end up, if you like, with a weaker under 21 group or whatever it is. So sometimes you can be guilty of your own success, if you like. But for, for me, I, I try not to look at it in that way. I, I don't know what I'm going to get given every year. I, I get a group of players sometimes the week before pre-season, the week after. We don't know what we're going to end up getting because of loans, because of first team. So I, I can only concentrate on the controllables. The controllables are make the group we've got, make the individuals we've got better. And if that means they go from okay to good, great. If they go from good to great, then even better. Um, I don't think the pressure is on producing players it's it might the pressure i put on myself is and and our my the staff around me at under 21 is we've got to improve whatever group we get given we have to make them better um and if we can make them better players better people and they leave us knowing we've given them everything we can to improve them then we've done our jobs and that and i sleep at night Glad you sleep at night. <laughs> <laughs> I did last year, this time last year, I didn't. But <laughs> no, it's um, I, I guess for me, it's just you know continuing the work we're doing, seeing where we can improve what we do to make it even better. Um, like I said before, always striving to look ahead, and because it, it is a conveyor belt in football, players do move on quickly and improve quickly, and then you're looking for the next one and next one, and it's never ending. It's never ending. So. And, and also, I guess we have to praise our recruitment here. Our recruitment's improved massively over the last two to three years. We've gone, as I say, when, whilst we've gone younger in our age groups, the, the quality and standard of the players that we have recruited and the players coming through the academy uh, that we are recruiting at younger ages is, is, is oh, it's, I can't explain how much better that's been. Uh, no disrespect to previously, but that, that quality of player now is, you, you can see it and... Having work, you know, being able to work with those players, uh, not only players, but good people, good good kids as well. It's a joy to, to work with them for both of us. We, we enjoy, as I say, love what we do and um, long may they continue to come into the football clubs, this wonderful football club of ours. As I say, you, you need that quality, you need that quality of person because um, they're the ones that have the best chance of, of having a career in football. Wolves Weekly with Mikey Burrows. Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.